Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Well, tantalizing Thursday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show and I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. And oh, baby, no uh, shortage of uh, stories. In the uh, hockey world, the NHL Stanley Cup Final doesn't begin until Saturday, and tomorrow is media day, so uh, lots of teams are like, hey, we got to get stuff out there today. So you have the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Kyle Dubas is the president of hockey operations. Hmm. Sure seems like maybe he had a plan, nothing wrong with his plan, and that he didn't want to just be a GM in Toronto. He wanted more, and that's all right. Said it kind of from the get-go. It seems like, hey, he wanted a bigger piece of the pie. Wasn't going to get it in Toronto. So now he will uh, he will have that. He's going to have the GM duties on an interim basis. And then we'll hire a general manager. So that's uh, rather interesting. Not not a, not a huge surprise, but there you go. Uh, Brad Treleman had his uh, first press conference today. And... Uh, kind of get the sense that he is uh i don't think he's going to move the uh the core four right away i can understand why and the other thing is when you actually look at the negotiations look at what nathan mckinnon makes this coming season look at what david pasternak is making starting next season Is Mitch Marner, is there any reason that Mitch Marner should be getting paid more next season than those two? Like, explain to me how. All right, David Pasternak, we'd be at 11.25. He's 27 years of age. Marner's one year younger than him. Pasternak got 113 points. He had 61 goals. Marner had 30 goals and 99 points. In what bizarro world... Should Marner be getting a raise? Look at Austin Matthews. He makes 11.6. McKinnon's now up to 12.6. Over the last, and even if you just want to go last three years, who has more points? Nathan McKinnon. Matthews has more goals, sure. Then go to the playoffs, if you think that matters. It's not even close, the comparison between the two then. So, you know, the, the suggestions that Matthews going to get 15 mil, based on what? What? Based on one year of 60 goals? Look overall. Hey, guess what? David Pasternak scored 60 goals. He's making 11.25. So I actually don't think those negotiations will be that difficult. Why does anybody think Austin Matthews should get $15 million? Based on what? Tell me. Honestly, what? What would make you feel like, oh, we got to do it? I'd like, look at the last three seasons. McDavid, Drysaddle, McKinnon, top three scores. Miko Rantanen has more points than Matthews. Now, Matthews is tied for McDavid in goals. Sure. But why would he make more? McKinnon's just doing it now. So is Pasternak. And yeah, the salary cap's going to go up a little bit. So what? Like Mitch Marner, that's the one that's an easy one for me. <laughs> if I'm Brad Treeland, like, explain to me why I should pay you more than David Pasternak. Give me one good reason why. You already cashed in early. You got max money and a shorter term. Good for you. But that was a rookie GM. I'm not a rookie. So I would expect the uh, the conversations. I the, the guy who will get a raise is William Nylander. Look at William Nylander. He's got 
He's got as many play, power play, or excuse me, playoff points as those guys. Actually, one less. But he's got more goals than both of them in the playoffs. They've all played for the same team. In the uh, regular season, he has more goals than Marner. Marner has a few more points, yeah. But if Marner's commanding 11, William Nylander's like, hey, wait a sec. Like, Nylander's probably the one guy who's going to go from 6.9, probably up to 8 or 9 mil. But I honestly don't think the Mitch Marner negotiation should be that difficult. I don't see any reason why he should get a raise. Like, compare him and then compare Leon Dreisaitl. Leon Dreisaitl gets a raise. Even if he was making 10.9 right now, Leon Dreisaitl will be getting a raise. I'm Mitch Marner. So I actually think Brad Treleman is in a pretty good spot. He's a, he's a veteran GM, and you've got some very good comparables. People say, oh, it's flat cap, Gregor. No, no, no. Pasternak just signed. He just signed his deal. So I think that will be a, a good situation for for Brad Treleman. Uh, Dubas in Pittsburgh? We'll, we'll see. It, it, is he the wonder boy? To quote the uh, late great Ted Lasso, is he the Wonder Boy? We'll see. Uh, speaking of Ted Lasso, it was there's a show that I will truly miss. I watch Succession. I like Succession. I won't miss Succession because I never really felt better after watching Succession. Ted Lasso was a show where at times, you know what, you'd, you'd feel it, it made you feel good. There was lots of emotional stuff. It you know talked about overcoming triumphs, how to deal with rejection, different things like that. Sure, there is a few storylines here and there, but I don't look and just say, oh, I didn't like this one thing, so I didn't like the whole show. The positivity of Ted Lasso, like it's funny, you, you talk about how some professional teams have even looked to say, man, we got to alter how we coach. It can't always be like, you suck at this, you got to be better. No. Tell people a lot of what they do well, and then you can mix in the things they want to do better. And it'll work. But I'm going to tell you, I'm really going to miss that show. I thought they tied up the season finale quite well. Definitely made you think of you know how it's going to go in the future uh, for some of them. Oh, Roy can't be in the head coach. I like that better. Some people thought the Wonder Kid was going to get it. I, I, I didn't think that was realistic. All right, he made some mistakes. And there are some teams where, uh, you know, fans have a small portion of it. That makes sense. I like that show. It's just, it was a show where it tugs on the heartstrings at times. It makes you laugh at times. The the characters are far from perfect. They make mistakes. Like, you look at Roy Kent. And, you know, he grew and evolved over time. Still not perfect. Lasso is, like, Ted Lasso, we would strive to be like Ted Lasso. I know somebody say, oh, it's unrealistic. Are you sure? Because there are some people that are probably really that nice all the time. Lasso just seemed to be a guy like, he, you know what? He didn't hold it against Nate. He always took the high road. It's hard to do. I wish I could say I've always taken the high road. I haven't. I love that show. I'm going to miss Ted Lasso. I know they planned it to be a three-year and good for them. They stuck with it. But, man, I hope there's a show that comes out in the future, different time, timeline, but maybe have a little bit more of a positive spin on things at times. It was just refreshing, right? It was refreshing. So what would you think, Con Man? I really enjoyed it. Like you said, uh, I, I've seen people be critical of that show, but you go into it, you enjoy it every time, you come out of it feeling positive because it usually wraps up you know, with a positive message at the end of the episode. And yeah, I like the way they tied it all up with all the characters. Uh, Sam uh, getting a chance to play for the national team. I thought that was kind of a cool, quick one. Uh, potentially AFC Richmond having the, the women's team was kind of cool that, that they kind of hinted at there. I thought that overall it was really good and like you, definitely going to miss it. Uh, it was a really good show. It was something I look forward to all the time. Uh, one I'll, I'll definitely be watching once again because it's just kind of a, a show that made you feel good. And like you said, you know, Ted, the good guy, always took the high road and they kind of showed behind the scenes what he went through dealing with uh, the anxiety and the mental health and kind of touched on that where some shows hadn't gone before. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. Thought they wrapped it up quite well. And then also, I don't know if you watched it, Gregor, but Dave season finale was last night, too. I uh, thought that was really good also. So, yeah, Which a lot one? of uh, Dave. I don't, it's a little Dicky the Rapper, kind of the story of him. It's a comedy, but they kind of go a little deeper as well. 
maybe not for everybody, but a, a lot of shows with like Succession too. A lot of shows wrapping up right now. It's it's tough. We need some good things to get into now. Like what what's the new show to watch? It was called Dave. Dave. That's it. Dave. Never heard about Dave. <laughs> it's on FX. Uh, I don't know if it's for everyone. Kind of some gross humor, but funny as well. Uh, I'd recommend it to people if they want to check it well, out. I, I'm reading. I'm reading it now. It's a centers on an erotic man who has convinced himself he's destined to be one of the best rappers of all time. Yeah. <laughs> really funny. Like I said, like kind of gross at times, but you should watch it. I think good for a couple laughs. Don't watch it with your son. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Dave, I've never even heard about it. I like that Connor's watching something that I haven't heard about because <laughs> usually it's the opposite. Right. So, well, I mean, I because I know you guys have talked about Succession. That's the next one I'm going to get into. Typically, I I'm a couple years late on shows, so that's the one for me. I can just binge it, beginning to end right now. All right. Well, you know what? I like comedies because there's any other comedy recommendations? Because like you watch a lot of the dramas and shit, but there's always like a negative spin. So if anybody has like a a good comedy show that's going to make you laugh, I don't have to you know. I don't care if it's overly realistic. Just something that's good humor. Let me know. 10, 12, 6. I'm looking for a new show. So, also, uh, we'll get to another. Uh, hey, guys, uh, Dave's based off a little dicky. It's a true story. Now, how true is it, cons? How accurate is it? Oh, that's a good question. I don't I don't know how accurate. I think it is kind of based on what he went through and how he kind of rose up. Because he, you know, if you've heard his music, a lot of it is uh, comedic. Almost like a Lonely Island, but but different, or where he jokes about himself. So I I would say there's probably some things that are based off his career, maybe not entirely accurate, but yeah, it it is good. Another one, Gregor, you got to watch. And if you want a lot of shows, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Hilarious. Yeah, I I, I watched a few episodes of that. Um, I didn't stick around. Maybe I need to give it another try, but I watched a few of them. So we'll see. Um, uh, some other news, the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers have announced that uh, Kenny Lawler has been transferred to the suspended list pending a resolution of matters related to his 2021 off-field incident. Uh, they think their matter will be resolved in the next three to four weeks, and uh, that's likely from his impaired driving charge back in October of 2021. So um, obviously they're going to sort that out uh, for him. The uh, Elks in the uh, final week of the preseason, they don't play this weekend and then of course they will kick off their season next weekend at home against the saskatchewan rough riders also tonight nba the final the nuggets taking on the miami heat and uh, man if you're uh, if you're in miami you're uh, you're like a knight uh, uh right now because you've got uh, two teams both eight seeds in the finals of the NHL and the NBA. On the show today, Gazzola's going to join us right away. Uh, Seth Rohrbaugh will join us from Pittsburgh. Find about Dubas. Uh, some names potentially to think about for uh, GMs. I-, I think the GM that he hires likely is not going to be someone with a lot of uh, previous GM experience. Uh, some of the names I've heard out there are guys who have lots of experience in organizations, in, in other roles but not a guarantee that it's going to be an experienced GM. Somebody in hockey ops, just not an experienced GM. Uh, Bob Weeks will talk a little golf with us. We'll hear from uh, Struds in uh, Kamloops, the Blazers. Tough loss last night. they got to beat Peterborough tonight. Uh, now we're into the elimination games. So winner tonight will face Seattle tomorrow in the semifinal, Then the winner of that game will face off against the Quebec Remparts in the final of the Memorial Cup on Sunday. Evan Husney is going to join us. Now, we had Evan on the show a while back. Uh, he had his new feature, uh, Dark Side of the Ring uh, Wrestling. He's got a new a new episode that's coming out that I think many of you are going to want to hear about. So we'll get to that. Livingston will be by. You can always text us at uh, 10 12 60. You can dial us up at uh, 444 1260. Email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, jgregor at tsn1260.ca. Also, Rashog in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. We'll get to uh, Hallie, help me understand, in the uh, 4 o'clock hour. So uh, a busy show, busy show, and there's lots to discuss. So I've got a lot of texts coming in. Hey guys, uh, what about McDavid? What do you think his raise will be? Well, who knows what the cap is in two years, but uh, Connor McDavid has been the best player in the NHL without question 
overall for the last five years, I don't think there's much debate. And there's been nothing that suggests he slows down. So now it's going to come down. To, Connor could get probably a lot of money. He could go somewhere if he just wanted to chase money, and someone might even pay him as much as 17, 18 mil. I wouldn't be stunned. But if you want to win, which I think he does, he's going to look and say, okay, I've already made a mil, got some other endorsements. He knows he's going to get a big contract. There's no debate on that. And like he's he's not picking less than twelve five. Like there's a guy if he goes to fifteen, I won't be surprised. If Connor McDavid got a raise of two and a half mil, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be shocking to me. It would be shocking to me for for Austin Matthews because there's there's no precedent, there's no statistical data that says this guy should be paid significantly more than Nathan McKinnon, none, or way more four million dollars more than David Pasternak. Why? It doesn't make sense. I think those two contracts help Brad Tree Levine a lot. But neither one of those guys are McDavid. So I think McDavid, maybe he wants to take, and when I say take less, like if he only takes 14, like my goodness, I think he'll survive. But McDavid will be the highest paid player whenever his contract comes out. I I see no reason why Uh, he wouldn't be. But I think a lot of it, McDavid's not going to care. He's going to want to win. And in a salary cap era, if he takes $1 million less and that means he wins a cup, trust me, he'll take that all day long. All day long. Because no one cares about if you make fifteen mil if you don't win a cup, right? And I'm sure he, he cares way more than anyone else. Hey, guys, watch Loot on Apple TV. Funny series. Whew. A lot of people saying The Great. Man, there's a lot, of, a lot of recommendations here. I like it. We'll get to those more when you return to the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 2.21 on a lovely Thursday afternoon. Finally, we got a little precipitation uh, last night, some more today. This is fantastic. We need it. Hopefully, it's any sort of reprieve for those across our province that are still uh, battling fires all over the place. And, um, yeah, we need a little bit more, so. Hopefully it's good, and let's be honest, uh, golf courses like it, uh, the trees like it, your lawn likes it. What's not to like about it? It's pretty good. It's real good. Let's get to uh, the Chronicles. Very little to not like about uh, Action Electrical. Great success story. Started in a basement in the garage, and now 50 years later, it's become one of the most diversified electrical contractors in all of Alberta. Great success story. Love hearing those. ActionElectrical.net as uh, Tom Gazzola joins us. And uh, speaking of success stories, Tom Gazzola has entered adulthood officially. Tom, was your hand trembling when you when you put your John Henry on that piece of paper? <laughs> well, everything's a DocuSign now, so it was just oh. like a tap, a tap of the, the document. But I did wake up at 4 in the morning going, what the heck did I just do? Going into property purchase, so uh, it's scary, Greg's. But you know what? The last couple of days is starting to set in, and it's like, no, this is good. This should be all right. It's it's the logical step in the next uh, direction, and let's go. Let's go find out what uh, home ownership's all about. Well, Tommy, uh, do, do you have like do you have any sort of tools? in your house like is is you know do you, do you need like a ratchet set you know do you have any wrenches do you have any of them because that's like some of the main things to being a homeowner yeah thank you I, i'm glad you and appreciate you asking that but i am the grandson of a carpenter so yeah oh, I, I have all, right. all that okay. stuff. yeah no i've got it all greg's but so don't get me that for my housewarming gift uh let's let's think of something else but uh, i know you and strutty will probably be spending quite a bit of time at the uh, the new studios the new satellite studios, and uh, we'll make it uh, as comfy, comfortable and uh, adequate as possible, I think. Well, that's good, buddy. The best part of a new home is a home, uh, you know, like a home wrecker. So that's fantastic. So we, uh, we look forward to that. Uh, be, be lots of fun. Uh, you know, I know that I know hair gel will never go unused in your house. So I know a good housewarming gift for sure. Well, so in all go. seriousness, uh, congratulations. That's always exciting time to get the uh, to get the new home and uh, obviously it passes inspection. And then boom, away you go. Now, um, yeah. lots going on in the NHL today. Of course, uh, Dubis. Uh, I guess in theory he was right. He said he wouldn't be a GM next year, and he isn't. He's going to be the president of hockey operations in uh, Pittsburgh. He's the interim GM until they hire a GM. 
not a real surprise when you take a step back and, and you think about the comments that were made and, uh, you know, the articles that were written. Clearly, Dubas felt like he was ready for a bigger role, and the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, Fenway Park has decided to guess what? You're going to get the chance. They must really buy into his vision and, and what he can do for the organization. And We've kind of watched, Greg's too, the president of hockey operations title and its its responsibilities sort of shift a little bit the gm duties that title and what that encompasses has also shifted a little bit i mean look no further than the team here in edmonton there's three assistant gms right now potentially a fourth if steve steos's title gets changed all of them kind of being delegated different responsibilities so whether you call it a president of hockey operations or a gm or an agm it just matters uh, what the duties and the responsibilities of that particular title is. So I, th- I think that that's part of this evolution of, of where hockey front offices are going. And maybe Kyle Dubas, when he was explaining himself at the end of the season with the Toronto Maple Leafs, had visions of grandeur and, and wanted to get more responsibility and start to – work his way into a president of hockey operations role with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that role is firmly entrenched with Brendan Shanahan. So now, you know, you look at the wording and, and the things he chose to say a couple of weeks ago compared to what's happened over the last couple of weeks where he's taken this role on with the Penguins. It goes, oh, okay, you know, that kind of makes sense. But uh, we'll see where he starts to shape this front office and, and who becomes the quote-unquote GM, and if he looks at the maybe the Montreal model with uh, with Jeff Gordon and how he, you know, jumped from being a GM with the Rangers to president of hockey operations, and then he goes in and he hires uh, a GM that, that works underneath him and in tandem with him, or, I mean, I, I think this example is a bit out there and, and one that you could look at and maybe teams aren't going to do it like this one franchise, and that's the Vancouver Canucks. And the way that Jim Rutherford has gone in there with Patrick Alvine and then named a couple of other assistant GMs, uh, Cammy Granato being one of them, Emily Kassengay the other one. Um, so we're starting to see these front offices evolve. And I guess that uh, what we're going to see in Pittsburgh is part of that evolution. And we'll see what this forward-thinking GM that was Kyle Dubas as a Toronto Maple Leafs GM uh takes things in terms of forward-thinking president of hockey operations and if other teams follow suit, Greg's. I think uh, from hearing some of the names uh, already that um, I think you're going to see him hire someone in the GM chair who hasn't necessarily been a GM before, um, and he'll kind of work in conjunction with them, so it'll be Mm -hmm. a, a unique situation for sure. Uh, meanwhile, Brad Treleman came out today, and I'm not, he, he didn't say he's never trading the core four. I like what he had to say that hey, different doesn't if it doesn't make your team better, then it doesn't make sense to do it. Right? I think he I think he understands the landscape, but it really got me thinking, Tommy, because I was looking at the contract. So Austin Matthews makes 11.6, and he's got a year left on his deal. Nathan McKinnon's new contract kicks in this year; it's 12.6. David Pasternak's kicks in. He just scored 60 goals. It's 11.25. I honestly don't think the Austin Matthews negotiation should be that difficult. There, like, there's, there's the numbers are there. Like, why would Matthews command significantly more than Nathan McKinnon? There's no rhyme or reason for it. I agree with you, but I, I would, if you were to put me in the position to answer that, I would say Austin Matthews wants to be paid the most money in the National Hockey League. I want. I would think that Austin Matthews wants to be recognized for that financially. I, I would say that part of it is, um, for lack of a better term, ego when it comes to Austin Matthews. The guy's got swagger, Greg. He's got confidence. He was the Hart Trophy winner and Ted Lindsay Trophy winner a year ago, and I think he's going to try to use that leverage to try to get a max contract. And I agree with you. On the ice, I know Brad Trey Living was pumping Austin Matthews' tires today, saying he's an elite player in the world, not just a good National Hockey League player. Everyone recognizes that. But I think that was kind of just doing a little bit of a lip service to try to get on Austin Matthews' side. He's going to meet with him and talk with him. Leverage-wise, that's where I think Austin Matthews is going to go with this as he tries to get as much money out of the Toronto Maple Leafs that he can get. I think that's going to work to a certain extent. 
But the Leafs do have a good argument. It's like, well, look at your peers. Look at the guys that had better seasons than you did last year. Why do you deserve that much more than them? And I think a lot of Leaf fans will probably say the same. A lot of fans around the league who observe what's going on in the contract negotiations of a player of Austin Matthews' stature would probably make the same argument that we are now. But to counter it, I think Matthews and his camp will probably say, well, I'm the franchise player. I did. I was the first guy to win an MVP in the league in almost 70 years. We won a playoff series. Uh, I'm one of the guys that makes this team tick. And, uh, and they're going to have to find some middle ground at that point. But, yeah, I think Matthews is going to be uh, pumping that component of his argument to the Toronto Maple Leafs when, when the time comes to get that contract done. Tom Gazzola joins us, Hamilton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Tommy, uh, one other thing on, you know, I've been reading up a lot and, you know, looking at all the different angles when, when I look at the Edmonton orders. And, uh, you know, I've seen some people think, oh, they're going to be very aggressive and be very busy this offseason. And now, granted, I'm more of one who, you know, doesn't, you know, do I expect a major trade? No, because usually I don't know if you can ever expect them unless you know the guys ask for a trade. But I don't see a major trade. And Yamamoto isn't major to me. I think it's, it's a, a decent move. If I'd ask you right now, players that are on the roster today that are signed, how many of them, if any, do you think won't be here when training camp starts? Signed players. Uh, so guys like Nick Bukestad don't count. He's not signed. Yeah, that's, we're going into UFA territory there. Yeah, so uh, that's the guys that are on the roster that will be under contract for next year. Uh, the big names that come up are obviously Yamamoto, obviously CC, and then there's been talk of, of Kulak potentially and even Warren Fogel. Well, let's, let's start with Kulak and Fogel. Fogel at 2.75, I don't think there's going to be a great return for him and the market for him. Uh, might not be as robust as some people might hope. Let's just go with that. Plus, he, he likes it here. He fits in well, and uh, people are, are happy about what he did uh, down the stretch and in the postseason. So I don't think he'll be the guy that gets shipped out. Brett Kulak, uh, good soldier, good local product. Uh, signed that deal in good faith to stick around with this organization and uh, provides a ton of depth to the left side on the blue line. I don't think they want to get rid of that. I don't think they're ready to, you know, just give Philip Broberg those minutes. Uh, he's not ready yet, and this team wants to win now. So I don't think those two guys are going. Cody Cece, uh, that's a name that's going to come up. The team's going to have its meetings right away with its scouting staff and hockey ops department uh, heading into the draft and free agency. Cody Cece, they have to decide if that's a move or quote-unquote upgrade that they want to make immediately going into the season or if they think that CC can be reliable for them, more like the guy that they saw in his first year in orange and blue and can get them through a good chunk of the season where they can reevaluate, reassess if they want to make an important move to reshape the back end at the trade deadline. So I think that one has a bit of a possibility of happening depending on how Ken Holland and his staff uh, come to their determinations in the next couple of weeks here. And then Yamamoto is the one where I think it's pretty safe to say they're going to explore their options to make a move to get his money off the cap and find a suitor out there that will just take his, his contract for that final year at $3.1 million. That one's the, the likeliest one. And with that being said, Greg, I would say one guy under contract for next year that's on the roster right now being traded, uh, and I would point the, point the finger at Kyler Yamamoto, to be honest with you. Um, Patrick Kane underwent hip resurfacing surgery today uh he's roughly a four to six months recovery uh his agent uh, pat brisson said kane wants to play for a long time kane obviously everybody knew he was banged up i think we saw that in the postseason so now four to six months means june july august september let's say october right if you that would be at the end of october is five months the end of november is six months so let's just say he's ready november 15th for argument's sake how do you think that impacts his contract? Do you think he signs a shorter-term deal this summer just because he's not going to be healthy to start the season? Or is the team hoping to maybe sign him a little bit longer term on a shorter AAV? What would you do yeah. if you're a GM looking to sign Patrick Kane? Yeah, and I think uh, a little 
nugget of information was put out there in regard to, and you just brought it up with that quote from his agent, Pepperson, saying he wants to play for a long time. That's a hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Give me a multi-year contract, isn't it? That's how I perceive it, Greg. So I think that with all that positive discussion and commentary being made around Patrick Kane's hip resurfacing means that he's looking for something more than just a one-year deal. And, and that means a little bit more money. And you know what? Him and his camp could point to the ability that Patrick Kane has had to have big seasons offensively on poor Chicago Blackhawks teams late in his career. So I think he's going to be looking for multi-year. And, and he's trying to max out his dollars with the understanding that he's a diminishing asset coming off a, a surgery that, you know, some teams might look at substantial. Other teams would probably be willing to, to gloss it over and say, you know what, we trust you. He's going to be A-OK. We can wait an extra month or two with no training camp, and we'll still give you two, three years at, you know, 8 to $10 million if they really think that Kane can have the type of production and maintain the type of production he's had over the last few years. So I think that tell from his camp is signaling that they want multi-year and that that's uh, their focus going into the offseason here. Yeah, the interesting part about it, though, is the contract, if he signs it before the season, that team might have to start the season in LTIR, and then he comes off of it because I, I don't think he's signing for less than five mil. Yeah. Right? So that, you know, and how many teams that are competitive could have a player five mil just on IR and still be cap compliant? Now, maybe some, but I I think that will be a factor. Yeah. Well, bring in the capologist from every respective team. And then, again, when we find out what the cap is actually going to be, I think it's uh, Saravalli was saying, what, a week or two before the the draft? Uh, That might factor into determining how much money you could uh, pitch to Patrick Kane and, and see where you can go from there. Well, I look at, and I, I keep hearing, I talk to a few people that are cap ball. They, they think it's going to be at least two mil. So that would be more than what they get. Now, maybe that's just all people are thinking positive. They're going with Ted Lasso mentality. So that could be all right. But, uh, I, I, hey, I know there's lots of pressure from teams to tell Bettman, they don't just, you know, honor that whole thing. Well, we couldn't go up until everything's paid off, uh, even though they're on pace to pay it off as early as, you know, by November of next year. So they would look to maybe split up that $6 million bump that everyone's expecting over two years rather than do $1 million this year and 4 or 5 next. So uh, yep. that would obviously benefit a lot of teams, including the Edmonton Orders, and we'll see where it goes. Tommy, have yourself a, a wonderful day, and uh, congratulations again on becoming a homeowner. Thank you very much, Greg. There you go. That's uh, Tom Gazzola in the Chronicles, brought to you by Action Electrical. 238. Guys, uh, where did you hear that Kane had surgery? Well, his, uh, his agent, Pat Persson, uh put out there. I think it was Friedman who uh, mentioned it. So he had hip resurfacing surgery. Four to uh, six months is the uh, projected recovery timeline for him. When we come back, uh, Evan Husney will join us. We're going to go down a different path next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We roll through, and it's a topic every time we talk about it, people get fired up because uh, it brings back memories uh, for some of you of last week, depending on where you're at in your life, or definitely of your childhood or teenage years, early adulthood at some point. Most of you, not all, but most of us at some point in our life, uh, we're a pretty big fan of wrestling as we get to our uh, wrestling report brought to you by All Tech Supply, Strength Through Distribution. The only Canadian-owned Valve Master Distributor that exclusively supports your local supply store. Go to alltechsupply.com, strength through distribution. And uh, we are talking about Dark Side of the Ring Season 4. And uh, episode number one just dropped uh, on Tuesday. And uh, now you'll have an uh, episode coming out on the, every Tuesday on the 6th, 13th, 20th, 27th uh, through until uh, August 8th, and uh, this year they focus on the Junkyard Dog, Abdullah the Butcher, Bam Bam Bigelow, and uh, and many others. And uh, Evan Husney uh, joins us once again, who's a major part of uh, making uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Evan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Thank you. 
Well, Evan, I remember when we spoke uh, a few years ago when you first started this, and it was season number one and episode number one, and it was the Randy Savage of Miss Elizabeth, and then, of course, there was the, the screw job, Bret Hart and the Shawn Michaels. And, uh, you know, season number one for you, if you look back to, you know, four years ago, and how it went, and even through COVID and everything else, uh, you know. Then there was the Chris Benoit stories, part one and two, and stuff like that. What, what's? Are you surprised that it's it's gone this well? What's been the feedback now that you're entering the year four? Yeah, it's it's been pretty mind blowing. Uh, back when we were doing season one, I mean, we never would have thought that you know over the course of the next few years we would have made forty episodes of this show, forty hours, you know, on on wrestling. It's pretty crazy. Um, but it's, it's been it's been great. I mean, just you know the the process of uh, you know uh, having the fans uh, um, embrace the show, and then of course um, all the wrestlers um, as well. Many of which I grew up you know idolizing as a kid, and so it's it's been it's been it's been it's been pretty wild. It's been a very intense wild ride, and especially you know mentioning through COVID, you know keeping the show going, and you know we've never stopped. <laughs> Probably since the first time I uh, talked to you, yeah, we have never stopped and we've been hitting the ground running just doing season after season so of all the wrestlers you've interviewed so far which one maybe surprised you and was different than you expected whoa different than i expected um man that's a good question it's like you know immediately hundreds of i mean we've done hundreds of these interviews and it's hard to pinpoint exactly you know just one i i think i'm kind of always surprised at you know, I think one of the things that we wanted to do with the show is we really wanted to peel back the curtain. We wanted to get to know who these wrestlers were in real life, you know, beyond their characters, yeah. beyond the facade, the, that larger-than-life caricature they played on TV. And I think I'm always surprised by humanity. You know, um, just, you know, these are very relatable, regular people that we can, you know, relate to who have been through all the same trials and tribulations and traumas, maybe even more so in some cases than, you know, we have. But I think that's always sort of surprised me is that, you know, growing up, you know, idolizing someone like Jake the Snake Roberts or, you know, someone who's just this unstoppable force or being, you know, scared of Abdul the Butcher growing up and then kind of realizing that actually, he's, you know, he's, he's just a regular person. I wouldn't say a regular person, but, <laughs> you know, a person like me, it's, you know, that, that has always surprised me. Well, Abdullah the Butcher was definitely, you know, an intimidating figure, and he's of course part of uh, of season four. Now you've seen that you've had all the episodes, and I'm sure when when you're involved in all of them, you like them. But there's some that just, for whatever reason, resonate with you as an individual more. So, of your first thirty episodes that you've done, mm. is there one or two that you know that they just really stuck with you, and why? Yeah, I would say that you know. It, it's probably tied between the Chris Benoit story um, and the Owen Hart story, um, you know, both Canadian stories in, in some ways. Um, but the Chris Benoit just story, that whole experience putting together that two-part episode and, you know, really sort of um, being allowed into the inner circle, if you will, of, you know, his colleagues and his family members and really addressing that story head on, you know, as that story had always been one that, was you you weren't supposed to talk about and it was swept under the rug and um i don't think really people prior to that had really properly unpacked a lot of the emotions and all the very complicated difficult traumatic you know emotions behind that story and so i think that just being you know a fly on the wall and being a part of those interviews and and working with so closely with all the family members and colleagues it was it was a pretty powerful experience that left a pretty you know intense um, impression on me as we were doing that so and I think that's kind of one of the bigger undertakings as a as a as a as a story that we've done. Um, and the Owen Hart episode is very similar. That was very personal to me. And I was a huge Owen Hart fan growing up as a kid. You know, my dad's name is Owen. I've always had this kind of connection. Is like Owen Hart was the only other Owen that I really knew. You know, and yeah. uh, I'll, I'll I'll never forget where I was. You know, when I heard the news of his passing, and it just left such an impression on me. And and. Um, yeah, when we got to know, you know, Martha Hart and um, Owen's son, Oge, and just got to be, you know, really close with them and that process of really telling the story and, and trying to right a lot of the wrongs of, I think, the perception of Owen's family, um, you know, after the after his death. You know, I think wrestling fans had kind of wrongfully put a lot of 
you know, sort of um, scrutiny on them about how Owen's legacy should be remembered and by whom. And um, I think that helped to sort of address a lot of that and uh, clear the air, so to speak, um, which I think was very much needed. So those two are personal to me for that reason. But I also have, you know, my favorite episodes that were pretty, you know, were pretty wild, you know, experiences, very eye-opening to me, you know, episodes about things that I never even knew about as a fan and things we were embarking on and not without knowing anything like the Herb Abrams UWF episode comes to mind um, or the, the, the FMW episode, you know, from Japan that we did in the last season, like just embarking on those stories where you don't know much going in. And then it's very, you know, sort of journalistic, you know, finding out all the information as you go. And those are always quite fun. We are talking dark side of the ring. Uh, Evan Husney joins us as uh, the season four came out on Tuesday. And uh, that was uh, Chris Candino, uh, Tammy Lynn Stitch. Tammy was kind of considered the first WWE diva. If uh, if you remember, people remember back in the in the mid nineties. Uh, I think in the, in the mid nineties, in America Online had her the most downloaded celebrity on the internet back in nineteen ninety six. Like she was hugely popular. She's in, of course, the uh, WWE Hall of Fame. I like that's a pretty like she was. I would be very interested. I didn't get to see it, but I'd be very interested. Kind of, you know, she really kind of became the first diva and really changed wrestling in a way. Absolutely. And she was a total natural, too. Um, I mean, like, I think that's one of the really cool things with our premiere episode just from two nights ago that um, I think fans uh, or viewers of the show will will see is just that, you know, she was a natural right out of the gate. She was somebody, you know, Sonny, Tammy Sitch. She was somebody that never intended to break into wrestling. I think she was a fan, but she was accompanying, you know, her boyfriend, Chris Candido, who's lifelong dream it was to become a professional wrestler and i think she kind of got swept up into it when jim Cornette, who's a regular on our show you know back in the early 90s sort of saw that she had some potential on camera and then it was ironic that then she like her star rose quicker than chris's and then she immediately propelled herself into the wwf and became sunny and then became the phenomenon and and it's just kind of one of those crazy things you know where it's just kind of lightning in a bottle um but of course you know the story does take a dark turn and you know there was a lot of substance abuse involved in that relationship and you know it's pretty much a it's a pretty heavy roller coaster ride of you know where these two young innocent impressionable kids broke into the business and the business sort of swallowed them up in a lot of ways and kind of you know you sort of see where they wind up at the end which is you know pretty 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 insane now, you have um, a few other people, Junkyard Dog, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, Bam Bam Bigelow, Marty Jannetty will be the, uh, the yeah. season finale in season four. Now, it's available on Crave uh, in Canada, yeah. uh, if you want to watch it on Crave, Dark Side of the Ring. Of the ten you've done this year, which one did you know the least about that you ended up really enjoying and, and learning from after you got, you know, interviewing the people involved and, and knowing more about the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, uh, I was always a huge fan of Bam Bam Bigelow growing up. He was probably one of my favorite wrestlers that really captivated me. I mean, this giant wrestler, uh, with this, you know, flame outfit and tattoo of flames on his, you know, on his head. It was just, he was always this very, you know, uh, he, he, he left a huge impression on me. And, uh, similar to with season two, when we did the Road Warriors episode, we sort of embarked on those in the same fashion, which was we're just huge fans of these guys, and I, we don't even really care what the story is. Let's just go out there and we'll find the story, but we want to just make an episode about them because we love them so much as kids. And Bam Bam was the same thing. It was like uh, we just kind of threw it around, and obviously, you know, Bam Bam did pass away you know, uh, way well before his time or well before he should have. And, and, um, but we knew there must've been something more there. And when we met his family, um, his ex-wife and his children, who were just amazing, incredible interviews, incredible people. And they sort of revealed to us just more about his last, you know, his last year or so. And just that it really was this very intense, dramatic, um, you know, story that I think is going to be very surprising to a lot of fans because um, I didn't know anything about that and it was very, very, very eye-opening. So 
that for me was um, definitely an example of that, of something where we set out just to kind of do a piece that was, um, you know, honoring Bam Bam, which it still is, but then at the same time sort of finding a lot of um, a, a lot of other stuff in there as well, too. Yeah, Bam Bam Bigelow, honestly, of, of all the names in, in Season 10, him and the Junkyard Dog, those would be the two where, uh, yeah. like, Bam Bam was just a very unique character. Uh, you know, Marty Jannetty, though, at the same time, uh, that's one that, that would, of course, uh, uh, intrigue me. He was, um, you know, the Rockers. Who doesn't remember the Rockers? So, oh, yeah. Uh, that, that was, uh, you know, they're they're pretty dominant for sure. So I, I definitely want to appeal to that. Now th- th- these are obviously already done. Their their air date's going to be between now and the end of August. Is season five upcoming? Is that for sure planned? What's what's the news moving forward? Well, I mean, we haven't we haven't announced anything officially yet. Um, you know, it's something we're definitely hoping and looking to do. There's definitely more stories in this world to tell. A ton of more compelling characters to profile. And uh, we definitely have a lengthy wish, uh, wish list of, of subjects we want to dive into. So I think we just, you know, are, are saying stay tuned and, and, you know, fingers crossed. And hopefully we'll be, we'll be back with more. So now that's my question. Of somebody you haven't done, like if you had to give me your top two in a perfect wish list, because I know that there's lots that go into it, A, that people have to be willing to do it and all those sorts mm. of different things. Is there two that, like, if you could say you only get to do two more? Which two would be at the top of your list? Oh man, oh man, that's that's tough on the spot. Um, but there, there has, I mean, there are there are quite a number of episodes we wanted to do. I typically don't talk publicly about them because I'm still sort of hoping that they can be done. Um, but um, I guess one that sort of comes to mind is. Um, Man, I would I would really like to see um, an episode um, about Scott Hall. I think Scott Hall would be one uh, that I would love yes. to do yes. someday. Um, you know, I was a huge fan of Scott's growing up as a kid. Razor Ramon oh, followed God. him to the NWO. Who did? Like every every guy loved Razor Ramon and the toothpick. Are you kidding me? It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing, and and he really was one of the first uh, wrestlers we got to know for the show. Um, he was one of the first people we were sort of telling that we were going to try to do this Brody, this, this Bruiser Brody documentary. And so he was an early adopter into what we were trying to do. And then he was an early interview for season one. And so I, I think it would just be, it would, it would be kind of cool to come full circle and to tell his story and probably to focus on some of the more like, you know, under, uh, under discussed aspects of his early life and, um, and, and his career and sort of the things that really, shaped him, you know, um, in terms of what made Scott Scott, you know. Uh, I think that would be fascinating. Oh, well, we, we got lots of texts coming in. People would love to see a Kamala episode, uh, Ahmed Johnson, uh, you know, lots. Uh, now, um, did you ever, oh, yeah. did you, now you grew up, did you ever watch Stampede Wrestling? So I, I, I didn't really, so I'm actually from New York City, or I'm sorry, okay. I, that's where I live now. But um, I, I I didn't I didn't grow up in Canada, so I didn't really watch uh, Stampede well, much. But I was more AWA and you know WCW and stuff like that. So that was probably the closest I came <laughs> to that. Okay, because if you could do an episode on Stampede Wrestling, that you could do like part ones or two. It's amazing. Stampede yeah. Wrestling was huge. You know the heart, uh, of course, oh, yeah. too hard and everything else. But uh, Gamma sure. Singh and my, like, there's so many unique characters and you know guys who went from Stampede Wrestling, of course, Bret Hart and Owen Hart and you know the British Bulldog and Davy Boy Smith and so many of them that I and I know that some of them you've done as individuals already. But the Stampede yeah. Wrestling one, I think, as a guy who loves wrestling like you do. I think you'd be yeah. fascinated by it. Absolutely, I, I think it's definitely one. Of, it's definitely one of the more intriguing territories uh, that there ever was. Uh, I mean, last year we did that. We did our spinoff show, Tales from the Territories, uh, for Vice, and we did an episode about Stampede for that. Um, granted, oh, it was okay. you know, yeah, it was like kind of vignettes about you know different wrestlers. Like you know, we had Abdul the Butcher on there, we had Bret Hart on there, we had Doctor D on there, just kind of telling anecdotal stories of their wildest and craziest times from the territories but the story itself you know um of stampede would definitely be fascinating i totally agree 
So uh, for those in Canada, they can watch it on Crave. And uh, episode 32 uh, uh, overall, but uh, number two of this season comes out June 6th, and it's uh, Magnum T.A., uh, for those of you, uh, retired uh, wrestler, of course, uh, he won the uh, the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship twice, uh, but then I uh, got into mm-hmm. a bad car accident, unfortunately, and that really kind of derailed his whole career. It did, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is it is a sad story, but it also is an inspiring story because um, you know Terry Allen, aka Magnum PA, he did eventually overcome his injuries. And his injuries from that wreck were pretty pretty intense because you know doctors were telling him that he might never walk again. Um, but of course he you know he, he did and he, he uh, and and you know he really was also sort of kind of handpicked by Jim Crockett Promotions in the mid '80s as really their superstar matinee idol wrestler that was uh, going to help them in the fight and the competition against WWF and Vince McMahon. And he was really put in this position, um, yeah, to be that star. And you can see in the episode, you know, the absolute potential of that. And I really do believe that had his accident not happened, I really think that sort of the, the trajectory of the business definitely would have changed. Um, sort of because he was on course to really be the next world champion. But of course, all those plans went by the wayside after the accident. So it is a tragic story, like I said, but there is, but, um, you know, there is a strong sense of hope there in terms of you know, him overcoming that and finding a new life. Yeah, Awesome stuff, Evan. We look forward to it. I uh, really appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again uh, when Season 5 is announced. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's uh, Evan Husney joining us. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring. If you're a wrestling fan at all, Man, some of these episodes have been amazing. I, and I, admittedly, I haven't watched all of them. I did watch the, uh, um, the screw job. I thought that was great, right? Uh, everybody's talked about it for so long. I thought that was very good. The Owen Hart one, I, I think for Canadians for sure was one. It had, uh, in, when I got to watch The Ultimate Warrior in, uh, in season three, can't remember what episode it was, but uh, season three, The Ultimate Warrior is called Becoming Warrior. If you were a fan of The Ultimate Warrior, oh. So good. So these have been awesome, and I probably uh, with a little bit extra time I could watch more of them. But uh, this season, Junkyard Dog, uh, Adrian Adonis, Abdullah the Butcher, Bam Bam Bigelow, Marty Jannetty, the uh, backstage dispute between Vince Russo and Hulk Hogan at Bash at the Beach in 2000, uh, Doink the Clown, the original. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're a wrestling fan, you got it. I'll uh, take a quick break. Struds will join us next after Connor Halley a Sports Center update brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling Home. There are no payments, no interest for one year in your furnace. Have a warm, cool summer. Cool summer is better. LegacyHeating.ca.